It's the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast with your host, Jill Riley. On this podcast, Jill explores what faith can look like after trauma. Hi, I'm Jill Riley. I am an author and a minister. I am also a trauma survivor and live with complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, and a dissociative disorder. My prayer is that post-traumatic faith will bring you hope and joy in your own journey. Welcome to Post-Traumatic Faith. This is Jill Riley. Today, my guest is the Reverend Dr. Marisha Stewart. Marisha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Should we call you Reverend Doctor, Dr. Reverend, Marisha? What should we call you? You can call me Reverend Dr. Marisha. I like it. Okay. Well, let me tell our friends just a little bit about you. Reverend Dr. Marisha is a licensed minister, encourager, author, counselor, influencer, divorce coach, and podcaster. She's best known for being the founder of the Lioness Queen podcast and the I Am series Women's Empowerment Session. Born in Washington, D.C. and raised in Silver Spring, Maryland, Reverend Dr. Marisha has lived in Maryland her whole life. She began her pursuit of knowledge in 1991, and after so many years, Dr. Stewart obtained four degrees connected with helping others. What degrees did you receive? So my first one was in general studies. My second one was in speech pathology. Um, my third one, school counseling, and then my fourth one, human services with a specialization in counseling. Okay, cool. She accepted the Lord at a very young age, growing up as a PK, a preacher's kid. She learned for herself who God was and what he can do. In 2019, Dr. Stewart became a licensed minister at Cornerstone Peaceful Bible Baptist Church, while at the same time, God was doing inner work on birthing a ministry. When she finally accepted the call into ministry, she experienced a separation and divorce. One would think this would not happen after accepting the call due to do God's work, but God had a bigger plan. Divorce was the biggest traumatic experience she'd ever faced in life. However, it was the most influential moments that catapulted her into her purpose. Lioness Queen airs on 10 different platforms all over the world with 4.2 thousand downloads and was recently featured as number 11 in Feedspot's Top 20 Christian Women podcast and number 12 in Top Divorce podcast. Every day, Reverend Dr. Marisha is building her following all over the world on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and even Pinterest with 28,000 followers. Since the launch of Lioness Queen podcast in March of 2020, Reverend Dr. Marisha has been featured on more than 30 other podcasts and IG live shows that is giving women hope and a voice. It is her transparency and willingness to be honest about the importance of how a holistic approach is the best medicine to heal from the emotional trauma of divorce. I am in great admiration of your work just from your bio and our short conversations. So thank you for investing in the lives of women. You're welcome. It is my pleasure. That is, that is amazing. So you were raised as a preacher's kid. What was that like? Uh, <laughs> so typically as a preacher's kid, you know, you drag to church all the time. And yes. It, you know, it is. It's just not fun as a, as a little person, right? <laughs> so it's but it's, you know, it's something that I did. It's something that you do. Um, my mother, you know, loved me and, and she wanted me to have a foundation 
And typically at that age, you really don't understand the seeds, I would say, that are being planted at that time. And so right. Was your mother the minister or your father? My mom. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't understand it. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get it. I went along with it, but you know, there were seeds planted in me as a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me this, I'm a female minister and tell me what you think the best message we can give to young females who want to be in ministry. Oh, so, you know, it's a call that that's the biggest piece. It is, yes, it ma'am. is, it is a call. Um, I remember it's so interesting. I remember um, I had first moved out. I was probably about 20, 2021. And I had moved out and my mom and I went to go get um, some plants for my apartment. And there was a guy there and the guy kept staring at me. And he came over to me. I felt very uncomfortable. And he, he, and he said to me, um, there's a call on your life to be an evangelist. And I was like, okay. <laughs> In a um, plant store. <laughs> yeah, outside, right? And, but then this man started, he literally started naming things that were manifesting in my life in that moment. So he had talked about people he had talked about me bringing people to Christ and that was happening in the moment. He talked about me living on my own. I had just moved out. He had told me I wouldn't stay there long and I didn't. Um, he told me so many different things. I literally wrote it down. It was, it was back in like 1998. And, um, you know, and he told me, you may not understand this evang- evangelism thing, but it'll come. It, it, you'll, you'll, You'll understand it, right? And then, you know, he was rambling all these things and they were all true. And then one thing he said, he was like, but you've been asking God for a healing. And I was like, oh, so he, he didn't mess up. See, I, I thought it was from the Lord, but that ain't not, he mean, not from the Lord. Now, but, <laughs> um, he said, you've been asking for a blessing. You've been asking for a healing. And he said, no, no, no. God already revealed it to me. He said, you know, the story of Hannah, and, I, and, at the, and at the time, I didn't know. And he said, yeah, he said, your womb is blessed. You want a girl and a boy not too far apart, right? I literally was amazed and just started boo-hooing. And that was, I would say, the beginning of someone pouring into me. And definitely it was an angel. They never sold plants there ever again. My mom tried to connect with that man. Phone just rang. Nobody ever answered. It was definitely an angel who poured, who, again, somebody who planted seeds in me that I didn't necessarily know, recognize, because typically as a PK, you fight it. You, you, you really don't want to go into, you know, um, ministry. Um, But in the same regard, when there's a call on your life, um, you, you, we typically run from it and you know, it's a pull, you know, it's a tug on your heart. Um, and, and, and oftentimes people think it's a big ass on your chest, you know, but really it is all about that transparency and helping women, just like God helped you, right? Mm-hmm. Move forward, walk into your destiny and just be the best you can be. 
Yeah. You know, I had a conversation with um, Ed Stetzer once, who is a, a writer about church growth and evangelism and all that. And we were talking about women in ministry and my response to him, he's like, how can we get more women in ministry? I'm a church planter. There's not a lot of church planters that are women. Um, there's now, you know, a lot of pushback in the news about, you know, whether or not women should preach. And I told him, I said, I really believe that if we don't identify women young and let them know that it is okay to have a call on their life, it is okay to pursue it when they're making their life choices, when they're starting to look for the one who may be their spouse, they need to be aware that it needs to be someone who is not intimidated or confronted by that, someone who can handle that. Um, They need to know this calling as a, as a young person, as they're forming their life, they need to know that when babies enter the picture, the call is still there. It just looks differently. Um, you know, I had a minister once who was going to hire me and I said, well, what are you going to do if I get, if I get pregnant? And he said, well, you know, we'll handle it as any other medical emergency, but don't, I mean, literally told me don't get pregnant because that would interrupt the flow of ministry. So women deal with things that are different um, than, than men. And I just think we need to, we need to identify. And like you said, say things like there is, there's gotta be a calling on your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, so I, it's so interesting because we, it, you know, we're, we're just talking about ministry, but just in general, women, we haven't been given the seat at the table mm-hmm. you know, in other ways. And, and it's, it, and, and, you know, a lot of it is tradition. A lot of it is how you grew up, how you were raised. So oftentimes women don't feel that they have the capacity within them Mm-hmm. to have that seat at the table to go Absolutely. into ministry you know what I mean and so again it, it it's connected to so many different levels but women we do have a seat at the table and we do we do have everything that we need I love to say T.D. Jake said this and I use it all the time you know man was the first creation but he had to perfect the second mm-hmm Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is women. He gave and us I, some gave us some things that that men don't have. Yes. That we are able to do in a way that really connects to people. And I just love when people point out the fact that it was women who first proclaimed the good news, who first said he's alive. You know, I just think that's, I just think that's, that's absolutely powerful. So I just, that's a passion. That's a passion of my heart as a minister. And, and I just, I just want other women to know that, like you said, they do have a seat at the table and, and also that can be compounded in feeling like you don't have a voice or a seat at the table if you're a woman of color and, and that I come from a very, very white denomination. And the first time I ever saw a black person represented in the executive councils, I broke down and cried because that, I mean, and that now was only 24 years ago. So um, it, it was largely 
largely white and they still, I still haven't seen a woman of color in, in an elevated position. And so um, I no longer am a part of that denomination, but yeah, I think that that, that can be compounded by ethnicity. Don't you think? It can be, it can be. And then it, and then you also have the layers of, unfortunately, competition. Right? Yes. Um, you know, one, there's not that many of us, but I, I truly believe the enemy plants that in us to divide us. Absolutely. Um, no, but it, it, we, there is no, there's, the, the, this world is big enough for everyone's voice, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, that's another layer, I would say, um, so many things that tries to divide us as women um, and competition is one. Yes. Especially, especially as ministers. Yes, I agree. I agree. And we definitely need to fight against that. So as a minister, um, what do you think is the most challenging and what is the most rewarding of that work? As far as ministry? Yeah. I would say the most challenging that, that a lot of people struggle with is that transparency piece, mm. um, transparency, and also being vulnerable. Um, vulnerability is humility. And a lot of people want the title, they want the position, but that humility is a challenge, you know? Um, and so I think that is that is one of the biggest challenges I believe that a lot of ministers struggle with. So what I'm giving you, what I'm pouring into you, God should have already poured into me and, and I should have did the work on me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, even as a counselor, cause I'm a school counselor, um, you know, e- even being a counselor, we like to wear the big S. We like to give advice we like to encourage we like to hear people on but in the same regard on the flip side we got to do the work within us so as ministers that's something i I feel that we don't do We, we we love helping others but i believe we have residue within ourselves that need Mm -hmm. to be dealt with and cleaned um so that we can just come in ministry pure you know yeah um, I believe the beauty in ministry really is just sharing the word of God, nothing added, no colors mm-hmm. added, just sharing the adulterated word of God and, and being um, that instrument to be used in that way. And, and that is the piece I would say that I love. I, you know, I, it's easy, especially as a PK, it's easy to have this, this, this misconception of really what ministry is and make it hard, mm-hmm. make it difficult. And it's really not, it's just being an instrument. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you find in your, in your work after you were prophesied over, did you find yourself as an evangelist? Oh no, I ran. <laughs> no, because what I did was I, uh, and, and this is what people who run do. We make excuses. Yep. Right? Okay. I can do ministry. It just, I don't have to have that title. I don't have to be in that position. I don't have to do, I don't have to preach. You know, we're all ministers of Christ. I don't have to preach. Um, and so that's, <laughs> that's really what I did. I made excuses and just, you know, my steps were ordered, you know, um, and I didn't, you know, and my mom is heavily, my mom is heavy. Like she is, 
she is not a full wall um, pastor at all. Like she literally does street ministry. She has a chaplaincy program. She does ministries for different nursing homes, jails. Like she is an out of the walls type of minister at this point. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, and that's her calling. That is her passion. And she tries so hard to make that my passion. But I believe we all have get different gifts and different people that we, I think, are called to. Like that's her, you know, ministry. And I, like I said, I, I fought a lot of it, not realizing that I would be called into the ministry, but just um, in a different way, you know, with a different population than she. I do um, some sermons for, you know, the nursing home and, and, and the jails and things like that. Yeah. Her- course but like she's very passionate about it i'm i'm very passionate about helping women especially helping women heal yeah you know um as a church planter i was quite intimidated as i was going through some training in my third church that we planted and um they were talking about the gift of evangelism and i i told my director at that time i said i don't have the gift of evangelism and this seems to be the thing that is the preeminent gift of all of these people that are planting churches and he said jill paul said do the work of an evangelist he didn't say you have to be the evangelist he said do the work and I thought I can do the work. I can preach and do the work of the evangelist. And, and so that was, that was one of my excuses that I was putting up there was I'm not an evangelist. I can't do this. <laughs> and God was like, no, that's not the thing. <laughs> yeah, Cause it's just being an instrument, you know, and, and different instruments play different, right? Yep. But it's just still an instrument. Yeah. So you went through a painful divorce and, um, and it was after you came, um, into your ministry vocation, how did, how did that affect your, your spirit? And what did you learn about yourself during that time? Um, so the divorce happened, the divorce happened before. Oh, okay. Um, well, we were separated and then I, I accepted the call because I, 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 it was very, um, it was very traumatic for me. It was somebody I was with since 18. Um, and wow. so we together we had, I mean, between dating and married and waiting to be divorced, it had been a span of 20, 25 years. Um, I, you know, he was, he was my everything and. I didn't realize, you know, it was so deep. I didn't realize it, but it was traumatic for me. I went through depression. Um, I went through suicidal ideation. Um, Even being a believer, a Christian, you know, when when your mind is offset, when your mind is is in a place where you don't see a way out, um, anybody can go down that road, you know. and so I don't, I don't have a problem talking about it. I had a lot of support, had support from my church family, my friends, um, my pastors, I had support. Um, but I knew within myself, I needed help with my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I went to therapy um, and therapy was really healthy for me to help under. And, and, and it's interesting because really therapy for me and really, really, this is what therapy does is it tries to pull out the answer that is already in you. 
Yes. um, And so, and that's just how that was, that was how I um, really overcame everything. And then I, you know, I asked the Lord, like, why is the attack so great? You know, like, why am I having these thoughts? And he said to me, it is because of the calling on your life Mm. and the women that you are supposed to help and encourage and love and mentor. And you know what I mean? And when he said that to me, I'm like, that's why. Mm. And so from then on, then, then that's when I accepted, I accepted the call because I truly believe there's a connection sometimes between the things that we go through and really where we are supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and once I, once I opened myself up to, mm, this is my cross. This is the cross that, that God has given me mm-hmm. just gave Jesus a cross. This is mine. And guess what? It was well, it was, you know, it was well with him and it'll be <laughs> well with me. And so, yeah, it, it, it was devastating but I made it, I made it through it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think the most important message that women need to receive after they go through a divorce or as they're going through a divorce? I'm going to tell you what. So for me, it was realizing how much God loved me. Mm -hmm. I did not feel loved. I didn't, my, my ex wasn't affectionate at all. And he wasn't, and I'm very affectionate. My mom was very affectionate for me. I'm so used to affection. I love it. I love affection. And he wasn't. And I didn't feel loved. And I, you know, I knew he loved me in his way. I just did not feel loved. And so for Mm -hmm. me, that was, I would say that was the first thing that God had to put on my wound is that I love you, baby girl. Like that's, that is the piece I need you to know, aside from the other stuff, Mm -hmm. all I need you to know, feel, think about is my love. And I think that is the best place to start. Mm. I I think having that be your point of origin and the thing that you build on um, creates a solid foundation that you can grow out of. I mean, you can build out of a lot of other different truths and affirmations, but that affirmation in and of itself stands strong always. It does. So for me, it was, I need you to know God loves you. And that's what I need you to know Two. I need you to learn how to love you. Mm-hmm. That was that was the second layer, right? I need you to learn how to water you. I need you to know what type of water you need, right? That was that was another piece because when we get in relationships as women, we wear so many hats. Oftentimes we lose our identity. We lose who we are. And so God needed to get me back to a place where I need you to water yourself. I need you to figure out who Marisha is. Who is she? Who, who is Marisha? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then that last layer is, are you open to love again? And so that was kind of a three-step process that God kind of yeah. you know, dealt with me with. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like every woman who goes through divorce feels somewhat stripped of their identity? I think some do. I think some don't realize it. Because we, we as women, and I think this is, this is one of the gifts that God gave us 
um, we're so able to be, uh, to adapt, right? We adapt to who we are with, Mm -hmm. Um, especially as a man is ahead, we're supposed to adapt. And so in that, when, when, when we do that, we don't realize how much of ourselves we lose in that process, you know, not to mention if you have other roles, I mean, being a mom, you know, that your attention is on your children, right? You lose. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Like you lose things that you love to do. Like there's certain things that you, <laughs> oftentimes we push off going back to school. Why? Cause I got kids. Right. You know? And so it was so interesting for myself, my ex, after my son was born, my ex said to me, he, he didn't know if he wanted to be married. We had just gotten married. I had just had my son. I had gotten pregnant really quickly. Um, and he wasn't happy. I went through that. But once he got here, he was good. And right after my son was born, he was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be married. Mm. Devastating. I mean, devastating, devastating. And so during that time, my supervisor said to me, you need to go back to school. And I was like, what? I just had a baby. I just had a baby. You want me to go back to school? That does that makes no sense. She said, no, I need you to go back to school now because when he gets older, you're going to be driving him to soccer. You're going to be driving him here. You're going to be driving him there. And this is the perfect time. And she, when she said that to me, I just didn't know what mm-hmm. she was planting in me because I literally said to myself at the time, my ex, we got back together, but I wasn't financially stable. I couldn't support myself financially. And I said to myself, if he does it to me again, I will be financially stable. And I literally went back to school when my supervisor told me to and didn't realize that years later when my son turned 13, right? I didn't realize it, that it would unfold all again. But at that point I was financially. Yeah. So what he, what, what happened, what, what I thought was a setback, God just set me up to push me forward. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I've had people ask me in relationship to ministry and work. They're like, well, we've just got little kids. So we thought we wait till they're older. And I'm like, oh, sister, don't wait. Because just like you said, then you're chasing their schedules and you're chasing their their activities and you don't have the freedom that you do um, for education, personal personal um growth and all that. You don't have that same kind of freedom you do when they're little people. They take naps when they're little people. You get you get a little time to yourself. That did, that doesn't happen all the way through. It does not. TV was my best babysitter. I, when I was getting my doctorate, I'm telling you, TV was, I mean, it was my best babysitter. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, so that's what the that's the that's so for me, that's the piece when you if you didn't go to school and you wanted to go, you put it off. So there's so many things as women, we put off, but but we push our husbands, we push our kids, but we are in the background and, and in a place where like nowhere, like a nowhere land, you know? 
Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting. I'm at this stage of life where I have two daughters getting married this summer. So all four kids will be married. I have a grandbaby. I have, you know, and all of my kids are going to be gone and I'm looking at going back to school. So I got accepted to this doctorate program. And, you know, it's just like, it feels like I'm back at that time where I can invest in myself. So maybe I'll do that. Maybe I won't do a doctorate. I don't know, but the option is there, but there's that season in life when it really isn't there. So I, I totally get what your supervisor was saying. So, so what is new year, new year, new you residue free? <laughs> so my motto is all about being residue free. John eight thirty six. who's the son says free is free indeed. Um, mm-hmm. And we can't be free until we get rid of the residue. And so that's that's kind of my motto that, you know, I want women residue free. And so residue free will look, look different in everyone. So residue free for me, um, it was so interesting. I was talking to my co-pastor just yesterday um, and I was telling her, you know, my ex-husband was, a, he's a good person. Like, have you met him? You know, he would be the life of the party. He's a good person. So I didn't go through a lot of the, uh, you know, the spiteful, the mean, hate. I I didn't go through any of that, right? What I went through was how I perceived the rejection and how I perceived the rejection left residue in my life. Mm. And so what God wanted me to do is being residue free from me is every prayer I prayed, every time I fasted, every journal I wrote in for my ex-husband to be better. Of course, I have some journals because we were together for a long time. And it did not happen for me, but being residue free is his new wife. He he said he didn't want to be married at all, but he got married again. But anyway, but his new wife, my prayer is that she receives the manifestations of what? of from my prayers, from my fast, from my, that is being residue free. Residue free is although he hurt me, although he rejected me, my prayer is he will be a better husband than he was to me. He will be better to his children than he was to ours. That's residue free. So it's coming to a place where whoever hurts you, who, who, whoever mistreated you, whoever wronged you, whoever abused you, you are in a place in the Lord where you Mm -hmm. are okay with them being blessed, with them moving ahead, with them, you know, restore, you know, God restoring everything back to them that the locusts don't. Like you literally yeah. are free and in a place where you want the best for them. That's being residue free. So how is it that you go about um, helping women? Do you do um, writing? You do the podcast? You Do you do one-on-one counseling? What do you do? Yeah, so I have the podcast. I have a um, a women's empowerment session with my BFF, and she's experienced divorce as well. And so we, um, it's such a great. We've been friends for over thirty years, and so it's it's such a good connection. Um, I'm also one of the you know associate ministers at my church, so I do help out with women's ministry, um, where we you know speak and preach periodically, of course virtually. Um, I do have one on ones. I do have people reach out to me, you know, from social media who, you know, are just in a daze, who are lost, who, you know, just need someone just to listen, you know. Um, and I think when you come from a place where you, you've been there, you know, 
you know, um, it really helps because I, I truly believe that, that oftentimes we want to say, pray about it. We want to say, pray about it. You be good. But really some, some people need more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I believe in that holistic approach. I believe in spiritual health, but I also believe in mental health as well. And I think, I think combining the two, um, that is really what I, I really preach because I, I just, it worked for me. And I truly believe the, the biggest issue is the battlefield in your mind. It's, it's between your ears. Mm-hmm. And if you can get a handle on it by using the word of God, but also having somebody to have that listening ear to figure out the answer that you already know, but you're scared to, but to deal pull with it, it out of you. Right. Yeah. I think with that combination, women can be made whole. Yeah. I think everybody should have access to an opportunity to talk with a therapist and to talk with someone who has that wisdom to, like you said, pull out what's already in you and reflect and be a mirror and reflect back to you the things that they see. I think that's an absolute gift. I know not everybody has access to that, but I do, I do believe it's one of the essentials in life. Absolutely. It is. And, and the biggest piece is seeing what you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. That is, and that's the hardest piece. You know, I think the hardest piece is seeing what you don't want to see because you have to deal with also what was your part? What was your role? What was it? What was in you that wasn't, wasn't right. That was not Christ-like, you know, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, that saying, what would Jesus do? WWJD, but it's an application. It's just not a saying, you know, right. Um, it, it, you know, I worked in a, I worked in a Bible bookstore once and somebody stole a whole rack of WWJD pens. Like what would Jesus do pens? And they stole the whole rack. And I was like, I don't think you got the message. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just, it's an application. It is just not a saying. And the application is harder than you think it is. Cause so it's, yes. it's walking, walking in the footsteps of Jesus is, is, I mean, we won't ever do that in totality until he calls us home because it's a struggle. It is. But we're always supposed to press towards the mark. But in the same regard, when you are talking about healing that wound, sometimes you got to add some things on it that hurt. Yep. You know, sometimes. And that is the piece that I try to push. Um, and encourage women to do. Sometimes you you got to look at yourself in the mirror. Sometimes you got to take that mask off yeah. and really figure out why do you do what you do? Why do you you know say anything and everything that comes out your mouth without thinking first, mm-hmm. without processing things first? Why why are you attracted to men in this way? Why do you keep going into relationships that really lead to you being somebody, yeah. you know? And so. Um, it is doing the work. Oftentimes we want to pray about, I want God to take things away, but God expects us to do work, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did you name your website? I am the lioness queen. Uh, so lioness queen is the name of my podcast. Um, and so podcast lioness queen was already taken. Somebody already took it. And oh. so I had to say, I am. Uh, yeah, but Linus Queen is so interesting because just the other day, God said that represents courage, hope, and faith, and that is what you want to plant in women. 
Um, and, and, and it's interesting because even in my podcast, I, I can't necessarily say I always talk about helping women who have experienced divorce. You know, I'm always trying to empower and encourage women in general. Um, and, and I truly believe that we all need to be planted in us courage, hope, and faith. Yeah, that's great. So people can find you on your website. I am Lioness Queen. They can find you on your podcast provider as Lioness Queen. And is there any other ways that they can get a hold of you? Or is that the best way? Yep. Those are the best ways. My website, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, you can find Lioness Queen. I'm out there. Great. That is awesome. Well, Reverend Dr. Marisha, it's been a pleasure talking to you and um, I wish you every good blessing in your work. And um, I'd, like I said at the beginning, I am in great admiration for your investment in women. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Post-Traumatic Faith Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts today. You can follow Jill on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, jillreilly.author and on Twitter, Jill Riley Author. Email jill at jillreilly.org.